And this week we have many of our ministerial staff traveling to Vancouver to the leadership conference, so things are a little different. So at this point I'd like to invite you to join me in an opening prayer. So as I settle even more deeply into this moment, I just simply need to breathe. And in that breath, I know that I have everything that I need. I am enough. I am part of the oneness of the universe. I have at my disposal anything that I require. And from this place, I can be fully present right here and right now in this knowing, in this moment, so that I can fully listen, fully be present, hear the message, and take it with me today. Just by breathing, I can always remember this moment. And so from this place, I give great thanks for all the people who have joined us this morning, for those traveling afar, and for everyone else in my life. I give thanks in advance for the great day ahead. And from this place, I lovingly release this and ask you to say with me, and so it is. And now I'd like to introduce our speaker for this morning. Reverend Patrick Harbula has been a spiritual teacher, counselor, and coach for over 25 years and reaches hundreds of thousands with his writing and personal and media appearances. Patrick is the author of The Magic of the Soul, Applying Spiritual Power to Daily Living, which is being used as an elective course for the Science of Mind training as part of the 200 series with CSL. He is the founder of the Living Purpose Institute and creator of the Life Coaching Certification Program and the Primal Fire Intensive. He was ordained as an independent religious science minister by the late Dr. Earl Barnum in 1985 and affiliated with CSL in 2010. He trained in spiritual psychology under the late Dr. Vivian King. He is also ordained and organized, sorry, recognized as a Doctor of Divinity through Spiritual Unity Movement, of which he was the president for 12 years. He founded Meditation Magazine. He was formerly a director for Sage Publications, a world-renowned social science publisher. Patrick will be available after service to sign his book, and he is here with us this morning speaking for the joy of it. Would it be okay if life got easier? Please help me welcome to the stage, Reverend Patrick Harbula. Well, would it? Would it be okay if life got easier? So I wanted to start with some of you have probably heard of the, um, what happened when the Buddhist monk went to the hot dog vendor. He said, anyone? Come on, somebody knows the punchline. Make me one with everything. So you, mu you might not be aware of what happened next. The next part of the, the story is the, um, the hot dog vendor gave him his hot dog. He gave the hot dog vendor a $20 bill. And he stood there for an awkward moment and finally said, uh, where's my change? And the hot dog vendor said, change comes from within. And that's what we're talking about today, change, right? That's why we're here in this building, 
change, change of consciousness, change of heart. And I am so jazzed up. I had so much fun in the first service today. God, I love this place. Isn't the... Somebody said, uh, when they were walking out, they said, or no, somebody walking in said, there's more energy in the second service. I feel it already. This is great. So how many people here, by a show of hands, have some joy in your heart today? Anyone? Pretty darn good. How many people here have some sadness in your heart? Anyone? Anything? Anyone have some sadness in your heart today? Anyone have both? Anyone have both joy and sadness? Wow. Now, a lot more hands went up than the first service, I'm telling you. The first service is beautiful, too. <laughs> There's beauty in everything. That's my message today. Beauty in everything. Everything's perfect just the way it is. So isn't that interesting that we can have sadness and joy at the same time? It's, I've come to the experience that joy is not the opposite of sadness. That's happiness. Happiness and sadness, those are opposites. Joy is this all-pervasive spiritual quality that can be present at any moment in time. We can even be in the midst of sadness and still have joy. Now, how does that work? My mother passed away about six weeks ago, and I was with her for, the, she was living with us for the past six months, and she had a stroke, and she was going through her last four days um, after she came back from the hospital and I was with her and, you know, there was so much sadness, you know, so much sadness. I'm, I, I just, this woman is my hero. Playing tennis, 92 years old, playing tennis three weeks before she died. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and I was there with her and, and I was feeling so much sadness and yet there was this connection that was happening. This soul connection, you know, as she was lying there, I was looking into her eyes and I was telling her how much I love her, telling her I was my hero. I'm going to get teary here in a minute. Um, and so, and in that connection, there was a joy, right? I think that losing someone we love, losing the physical presence of someone we love is the most challenging thing that we do as human beings, yes? And when people come to me and, and, they, and they have that experience, what I often say is something like, I know that your tears and your grief are a beautiful testimony to your love for this individual. You know, that doesn't take the pain away at all, but it brings, it helps them maybe to focus on the love a little bit more, right? It brings the love and the pain together and you know, that's the only way pain ever heals is when it comes together with, with love, right? So we can be in the most challenging situations in our life, and if we open to it, we can still be in joy. So in a um, semi-related experience, I was driving in my car, and I got flipped off recently. I shouldn't point this at you too long, too. It might be, might be loaded. Um, so by a show of hands, how many else here have been uh, saluted, have received the, uh, the one-finger salute recently? Okay. Okay. Um, now, be honest. How many have been on the giving end 
of the one finger salute. I appreciate your honesty. Some of the same people that were on the receiving end were on the giving end. Isn't that an interesting connection? So, um, so what happened, well, let me just talk about the finger for a minute. It seems like there's a lot of angry people out there, I've noticed. I mean, I didn't, wasn't aware until this happened, but then I, you know, I started looking on the internet and uh, there's just a lot of people out there that are really, really angry. And it doesn't seem to matter what degree of fame you have or what your status or position or rank. Um, and it's not even bound by, uh, by age. Am I on track here? <laughs> or by species. It's amazing what you can find in a Google search when you just type in uh, flipping the bird pics, right? You might even find a bird flipping the bird. And by the way, when I, when I go like this, not yet, when I go like this, I, I'm not flipping off Diane in the booth. I'm just giving, this is our co secret code <laughs> to switch the slide. So um, yes, even Big Bird has been found flipping the bird. So uh, last service, I forgot to give her the signal and we left this up there the whole service. <laughs> so maybe this is better. Some people are more offended by this uh, image though, actually, than... So what happened was, um, I'm driving along in my Prius, and this guy behind me is in one of those monster trucks that you have to get on a ladder to get up into, right? And, uh, and apparently I was going not the speed that would bring him joy for me to go. <laughs> so he just gave me one of these really mean fingers, right? Now, 20 years ago, you know, my reaction might have been to, you know, give him back the same. But I didn't. What do you think I did do? What would you have done? Smile? Blow a kiss. Oh, that would have really gotten him mad. <laughs> she got it. No one's ever gotten it. That's what I did. Peace sign. Gave him a peace sign. And of course, that made him real, even more angry. And uh, so then he did the, made this really aggressive move. And he drove onto the side of my car. And he yelled out his window, get a real car. So then I was trying to figure out, okay, well, I really believe that we create our own reality. And when I do the workshop today, um, we talk about um, creating our reality, I mean, really pushing the envelope about that. That what Robert Scheinfeld says in his book is that not only did you create a situation you're in, but you created that person, you gave that person the script to read. I gave that person a script that said, now flip the bird, and now drive along his side and scream out, get a real car. So, but there's a disconnect, I think, in our, in our teaching, the way somehow this creating our reality uh, pans out. Have you ever had a situation where you, something uncomfortable happens? Maybe you lose a job, maybe you, um, have an illness and you go to someone in the new thought movement and you tell them this and they say what did you do to create that how does that make you feel better probably not or you'd say that to yourself someone at the last service afterwards said you know I, I did that very thing what you were describing um, I was driving along and I, um, I was tired and I felt like I, I, you know, I was getting these signs that I shouldn't be driving out here today. 
And, uh, and she and a deer met in an unpleasant way. And she said, you know, I, I was judging myself, saying, what did I do to create this? Why did I create this? That's never helpful. What Robert Scheinfeld says in Busting Loose in the Money Game, it's a very powerful thing. He says that we create a reality not from the presence of our personal self, we create a reality from the presence of our expanded self. Have you read the book, Nodding Your Head? We create our reality from our expanded self, our soul self, right? So if, let's say I'm afraid I'm gonna lose my job, and then I lose my job, then I might look back and say, oh, that fear caused that, and in an indirect way that may have some relevance, but the real principle that's going on here is my expanded self, my soul self, is creating that because there's something good in it for me, because there's an opportunity to simply move into a greater space of love, freedom, or joy. Does that make sense? And that's how it's true that everything is good, that nothing is against us and everything is for us. So, you know, the fear might have participated, but the fear would, if the fear wasn't there, the fact that the fear was there means there's an opportunity for more growth, means there's an opportunity to step into greater freedom and joy, to learn how to not be in fear, right? And so our expanded self is designing is is choreographing everything perfectly it's come to me that i like to act as ask ask it as a question what if everything everything is perfect just the way it is all the time everything is perfect just the way it is all the time wouldn't that make wouldn't life get be easier if that was our understanding right so people might say, well, if everything's perfect just the way it is, then why do spiritual mind treatment to shift my reality? Why do meditation or visualization or affirmation? And I say for the joy of it, because it brings me joy to do those things. Robert Scheinfeld talks about phase one and phase two. In phase one, we're, we're stuck doing things because we think we have to. In phase two of life, we only do things for the joy of it. So, and I guarantee you that if I do a spiritual mind treatment from the place of recognizing that anything that changes out of this is just icing on the cake, that it's perfect the way it is right now, and what I want to shift because there's something, there's, because what, the way it is right now is an opportunity for me to grow into something greater. And so the shift then that I'm looking for is just a deeper realization, right, of the joy that's already there. And I guarantee you that's far more powerful than if I'm doing treatment, thinking this thing that's happening to me is bad and I've got to change it. You get that? Because we're coming from a place of lack. If we're coming from a place of wholeness, then we're just inviting more joy into the moment. So in the situation, rather than saying, you know, what did I do to, this, to create this? What about asking the question, what's the greater joy, love, and freedom that wants to emerge here. Doesn't that feel a lot better? You know, so I asked, you know, what, why is this ha happening, the situation with this guy, you know, getting all angry at me? And it hit me, because I started laughing right away. It was, the whole thing was humorous to me, especially when I realized I created it, and I created it to experience more joy, and that was it. That was the answer for the joy of it. It was super entertaining, <laughs> right? 
When I was here 60 years ago, uh, the first time I was here, this is the third time I've been here, and by the way, I'm just like, I'm so jazzed, I so love it here. I said in the first service, and I'm going to say it again, and don't tell any of the other centers that I speak at, but this is my favorite place in the world to speak, right here. <laughs> and isn't the music phenomenal? Thank you to the musicians. What a great experience. I love this place. So the first time I was here, I was lecturing about the magic of the soul and my spiritual practice that really came out of writing this book. You know, when I was writing the book, um, originally the book was going to be about the magic of the soul, how to create what you want in your life. And what happened in the midst of it, I was in the middle of writing it and I became chronically ill. Um, I, was, I was ill for three years. I was, um, there was no diagnosis for three years. Uh, it was another couple years uh, recovering after that. You know, I went to Mayo Clinic. They couldn't figure it out. I was doing everything I could to try to heal. I was doing spiritual mind treatment, meditation, energy healing, throwing lightning bolts at it. Nothing was changing the situation. And all along, I was resisting it because how could this happen to me? I've been meditating since I was 18 years old. I was about 40 years old. And by the way, my father died when I was 42 of cancer that was di not diagnosed for several years. And so it seemed to me like the writing was on the wall. It seemed to me like I was approaching the end of this journey because I wasn't getting better, I was getting worse. And then finally what happened is I gave up. Not in an apathetic sense, but in a surrendering sense. And it wasn't a direct line to healing. What happened was I would surrender, I'd start to feel a little better, I'd go out and do things I used to do, like walk, and that would put me back in bed for a couple weeks. And then I, I would resist because it felt so good to just feel even a little bit better, to where I could carry on a conversation with someone with not fe without feeling fa fatigued after five minutes. And so that felt so good that I, I, I became attached to it again. And then the symptoms would get worse. And then I would remember, oh yeah, it was that surrendering thing that got me to that place of feeling better. It was as though my soul were choreographing it perfectly for me to get the lesson, to understand the truth in living in a consistent state of surrender. What's that like? To live life in a consistent state of surrender. Take a deep breath into that. Doesn't that feel like life gets easier when we're in a state of surrender? In my book, I say, why is it, as I was writing it, why is it that I wait until the, um, you know, like the crescendo of struggle, you know, the apex of struggle to surrender? Why not, struggle at the, uh, why not surrender at the very beginning of the process, right? Isn't that easier? So from, after practicing this, what, became, what came out of that? Because the book became an entirely different message or uh, it still contained how to create what you want, but the more important message became, you know, yes, it's magical to create what we want in our life. What's even more magical is to appreciate what we have. And not only those things that are obviously bring us joy, but the things that challenge us the most. Because don't we look back in our lives at the, at the most challenging times and say, that's when I grew the most. But do we see that in the moment of the situation? Usually not. Usually we're resisting it, right? What would it be like 
to look for the magic, to recognize the blessing, or even if I don't recognize it, even if I don't see it, to know that there is a blessing in this. I shared in the last service, uh, Suzanne Summers. You guys know who Suzanne Summers is? Um, and by the way, when I was watching Three's Company at 16 years old, I didn't think I'd ever be standing in front of a congregation quoting Suzanne Summer for her philosophical understanding. <laughs> Not why I was watching the show. But she was um, one of the people whose house was burned down in some fires we had in Malibu, California near me a few years ago. And so this was on the front page of the Times. And um, she was standing there, standing in front of the smoldering ashes of her home, and they were interviewing her and said, how do you feel in this moment? And she said, I know something good will come from this. Is that powerful? Can you feel the power in that? And you know, right, that something good had to come from it if she had that attitude, because it is what we name it. And and always something, something good would have come from it anyway. But the fact that she was opening to it in the moment meant that she probably realized the good a lot sooner than if she would have been resisting it and saying, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah? You get that? Because when we are resisting anything, we hold it in place. Right? When I was healing, what I realized is that when, we, when I resist my symptoms, I create a block in the energy, right? And the energy stops right where I block it, right in the chakra system, wherever it is that I, that I hold the tension. The tension blocks the energy. As soon as I em- embrace and let go and surrender, the energy flows. And the energy, of course, is love, right? Because that's the only energy there is. When I resist, I block love. When I embrace, when I open, when I surrender, love flows through me. The way my, my teacher said it is this. Who, who we are in our natural state of being is, is, is unconditional love. Unconditional love flowing freely into the world, unimpeded. And he said that if I'm not experiencing that, it means that I am consciously or unconsciously blocking that love from flowing. And that it takes a tremendous amount of energy and tension and even struggle to hold that love back, right? But when we let go, when we embrace, that's the good news. It doesn't take work to be who we really are. It simply takes letting go. In fact, you know, we have this whole mythology in our culture that anything that's worthwhile takes a lot of work and it's got to be hard, right? The opposite. I am absolutely convinced that the opposite true is true. My experience proves that the opposite is true. The less hard I work, the more prosperity that comes to me. Um, the less I struggle, the, 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 the more I just open to being in joy in the moment, the more joy that is bestowed upon me. So as a result of practicing this, what I realize is if I, if I can find the joy, if I can find the magic in, in when I thought I was going to die, you know, what I realized in that moment of surrender is I decided if I'm going to die from this, 
I'm going to use this experience to understand who I am at the deepest level, who I am as a sacred being at the deepest level possible. Right? And so the important thing in asking for what the magic is in this situation is not what the answer is. The important thing is asking the question because I completely changed my relationship to the situation. So I realized that if I can find joy and magic in dying or thinking that I was dying, then nothing in the future can possibly hurt me. I tell you, this is the only way to real peace, is to give up resistance to what is. And I think all of our spiritual teachers are telling us the same thing. All of our most famous and popular spiritual writers, Byron Katie, any Byron Katie fans, says love everything. Eckhart Tolle says give up resistance to what is. I say look for the magic in everything. August Gold says invite everything. Take a deep breath into that. Invite everything. Resist nothing. Robert Scheinfeld says appreciate everything. When you're paying your bills, this is one of the exercises in the book, when you're paying your bills, think about what's what am I grateful for? Why, did, why am I paying this, right? What's the joy that I received from this, from this interaction? The only reason for, the only purpose for any financial transaction is one thing, and that's the expression of gratitude. I had a mystical experience uh, when I was speaking in, in uh, uh, Olympia, Washington, a few months ago, and I spent an entire, I'll, I'll tell the whole story in the workshop today, I spent an entire day in absolute bliss, and I realized in that moment, I realized it was a day of enlightenment. I, I realized in that moment I was enlightened. And I decided in that moment that I am an enlightened being. Not in a way that I'm separate from anyone else, because we're all enlightened beings. And so I encourage all of you to identify yourselves as enlightened beings right here and right now. And what I realized that being an enlightened being is not necessarily not having pain, not having struggle, not having these things. It's how we view them. It's the ability, and this is the phrase that came to me, to see the beauty in everything. To see the beauty in everything. And when I, don't, when I can't see the beauty, when I, can, when I am in resistance, to see the beauty in that. To appreciate my humanness. This is part of my journey. Because if everything's perfect just the way it is, then I'm perfect just the way I am right here and right now. Yes? So, the other byproduct that's come out of this is so fascinating to me. I've just realized this in the last few years, that by giving up resistance to what is, we have all this psychic energy, all this mental power, then, to create what we want. The way I, I, I want to read it exactly as it came to me yesterday. The ease in which I create what I want is directly related to the degree to which I accept what is. The ease in which I create what I want is directly related to the degree to which I accept what is. Yeah? So the more I accept what is, the more what I want to create happens easily, instantly. Life gets easier and easier. Sound like fun? Um... So, you know, whenever we, anything that we do as a human being, anything we decide to do, we're doing 
for the joy of it, okay? But we sometimes forget that, right? We, um, if I find myself in a situation that isn't joyful, right, well, the choice I made to get to that situation was to bring me joy. I at least thought this would bring me more joy than if I did something else, right? And yet I, and yet we get wrapped up in the, in the, in the, um, the condition and then we start resisting and then we forget about the joy. But if we come back to our original intention was to create joy, or if what I'm doing, I'm not enjoying, but I know this is gonna bring a result that will bring me joy in the end, then I can simply shift my consciousness to the joy that I know that I'll get it out at the end and that will bring the joy back into the moment, right? There is a possibility to be in joy at all time, even when I'm not. Because <laughs> again, I can recognize the joy and the beauty in my being human. The most important ingredient regarding joy or being in joy is self-love. You know, we can, and by the way, the, the most powerful demonstration of self-love is to do what brings you joy, to make your decisions on a daily basis about what will bring me the most joy. And you know, oftentimes, you know, we get caught up, and as spiritual people, we tend to come from backgrounds of codependence. Anyone, anyone like that in here? And when we try to please other people instead of ourselves, um, we end up not being so joyful, right? And what I find is that when I do what's right and joyful for me, it ends up being joyful for, for everyone involved. You know, I see people in, sometimes when I'm coaching them in relationships that they've been in that have no joy in them for many, many years, long past the point of being a healthy relationship. And sometimes they're staying in a relationship because they don't want to hurt the other person. Well, if you're staying in a relationship because you don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings, you're not doing them any favors. You're saying that, that I don't think that you can find, I don't think you deserve to be adored and loved unconditionally and have your life celebrated. I, th I think you, you'll be happier with me, someone who doesn't even want to be with you, right? <laughs> if you're in a relationship with me, and you're staying in that relationship to not, don't do me any favors, you know? So please yourself first. It's the oxygen mask, you know, on the airplane. If you don't put it on yourself and feed yourself first, you're not going to be any good to anyone. Um, anyone who, who Maria Nemeth is? She does a course called Mastering Life's Energies. That's where I met Patrick Cameron. And, uh, and by the way, that was a great, a wonderful meeting moment. And the two Patricks came together. I'm the surrogate Patrick today. And um, he is just one of my favorite people in the world. And I just want to say how lucky I think you guys are to have him as your spiritual director. Such an authentic, beautiful being. And uh, so we were in the, in the course together. And at one point in the course, Maria asked, how many people here are people pleasers, and we are most of us ministers in the room, so we all, almost all raised our hands. And uh, she said, if it were accurate that you're a people pleaser, then people would be more pleased around you more of the time, <laughs> right? Because when we're busy pleasing other people, we're usually not so pleasing to be around, right? 
because we're focused on other people, we're making them happy, and our needs aren't always getting met, and then it comes out somewhere, you know, as disease, as, um, you know, as a blow-up sometime down the line, right? So, you know, what brings you joy? Self-love, the way I say it to my clients is, and by the way, you know, we really cannot allow any more good into our lives. You know, our teaching is, we have so many wonderful mental techniques. And it's been said that science of mind is becoming a science of the heart. And I still don't think we talk enough about love and about self-love, right? Because we can only manifest to the degree that we love and, and appreciate ourselves, right? We can only serve and bring joy and beauty and love to other people to the degree that I, we love ourselves. In fact, if, I'm, if I think I'm going to, if I'm doing seva, um, you know, selfless service, and I'm not getting anything out of it, I mean, the point of seva is to recognize that when I serve others, it feels good, right? And because it feels good, then I get filled up. But if I'm serving from a place of thinking I have to, do you think I'm going to be bringing joy and love to people? If I'm serving from a place that comes from being filled up with my own sense of love and it's overflowing, then it's going to transform lives, right? So what I say to my clients is, love yourself no matter what. Because the true test of self-love you know, it's easy to say I love myself when I do something cool, right? When I just got a new job or a raise or gave a really great talk, right? But when I screw up, when I say something or do something that hurts somebody I care about, right? How often have we beat ourselves up in subtle or very un unsubtle ways? My my greatest message to you, my most important message to you is give yourself a break. Love yourself no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what the situation. It's my baseline spiritual practice. Go right to, I love myself. Go right to, I forgive myself. Go right to, I recognize the beauty in me even when I mess up. Yeah? Um... And so what happens when we love ourselves, when we make our choices from what brings us joy in life, is we become more and more powerful. I used to look at people who manifested things like, like this, you know, they have this synchronicity, because I was really good at manifesting things, but it took a lot of work. And I wondered, how does that happen? And I realize now, it's, it's from that, it comes from that place of peace. The less we resist other things, the more joy that floods into us and through us, and the more energy we have then to just have things align perfectly. My friends, uh, Mark and Shirley Walsh, who are putting me up for these last few days, yesterday they got up in the morning and they said, who do you wanna to invite to dinner tonight? You know, invite some people over. And then it occurred to them to invite this person, that person. It was all spontaneous. Somehow we had this amazing, miraculous meal prepared, you know, almost magically. Um, but the whole thing was spontaneous, right? Isn't life best when it's spontaneous, when we're in the moment? 
So um, Carl Rogers said, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. The curious paradox is when I accept everything the way it is, then it can change. Robert Scheinfeld in Busting Loose from the Money Game, two things I want to share with you that said that we'll expand on in the workshop today. One is that, and by the way, Busting Loose from the Money Game, the subtitle is Mind-Blowing Strategies for Changing the Rules of the Game that You Can't Win. And one of the things he says, by the way, it's not about money, it's all about consciousness. He says, when you reach a point in consciousness that you realize that having a million dollars in the bank, you could call it a billion dollars, or owing a million dollars, or that having a million dollars in the bank is no better than owing a million dollars. That's counterintuitive, isn't it? Right? But what he's saying that is, is as long as you're judging this good and that bad, you're saying that the world of form has the power, that it's an outside-in job, that I feel prosperous depending on the size of my bank account. When we know from our teaching that it's an inside-out job, that when I feel prosperous no matter what I see in the bank or not in the bank or how much I owe, if I feel prosperous, what he says is then you'll be at a state of consciousness where you can snap your fingers and boom, manifest whatever you want. Now that's an ideal, right? We may never reach that completely, but the closer we get to that, it's about the old Buddhist principle of non-judgment, right? Or giving up resistance to what is. Because when I, when I say it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside, I still feel prosperous, then I'm affirming that it is my consciousness that creates my reality. When I say this is good, this is bad, I'm saying that it's the reality that affects my consciousness, right? The other thing he says, which speaks directly to that, to recognizing who we are, and I'm going to paraphrase this, and... It's powerful. You ready for this? Okay. Who you really are. Who you really are is an infinite being. An infinite, omnipotent being. Snap your fingers and boom, you can create it whatever you want. No concept of power that you are, have ever been familiar with can compare to the power available to you in this very moment. If you took all of the power in all of the things that we've built on the planet, in the machines, in the bombs, in the iPhones, in the t technology, in everything that we've created, gathered all that power together, combined it with the power in, the, in Mother Earth herself, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the earthquakes, the volcanoes, the, the, the power at the molten core, of our Mother Earth. If you took all that power, combined it all together, multiplied it a billion times, it would still be a speck compared to the power available to you in this very moment. That sounds wild, doesn't it? And yet as I say those words, I know that some of you, if not all of you, are resonating with that. I feel the energy in the room. Yeah? That there's something that's true about that that that's how powerful we really are. Now, I might say, snap my fingers, I, boom, I didn't manifest a million dollars right there. I have evidence that says I'm not that powerful. But that doesn't mean I'm not. 
That just means I haven't stepped into the fullness of that power yet. We're on a journey to realizing this. That's why we come here, to be reminded of how powerful we really are. Who knows where we're going to be 100 years from now as a species, 1,000 years, 10,000 years from now. Look how we've evolved. We've evolved from a single-cell organism. Look how far we've evolved. Who knows how powerful we will be? as we continue to evolve. But the reality is that if we'll be that powerful then, we are that powerful now. And the more we we live our lives in that truth, the more we experience that reality, yes? Ah, Take a deep breath with me. Just say after me, I love myself the way I am. I love myself exactly the way I am. I am an infinite, powerful being right here and right now. Does that feel good? All right, I'm going to close with a joke that represents about this pleasing yourself thing. So there's these, uh, this elderly man and, and his grandson, and they're on a journey with their donkey. And so the, um, the little boy is on top of the, the donkey, and the man is walking beside it, and they walk by these, this group of people, and they hear them whispering, um, isn't, it, isn't it sad that that uh, young boy, a strong young boy is up on the donkey, and that elderly gentleman has to, to walk alongside it? And so they went down the road a bit, and so they, they changed places. And the old man got on the donkey, and the little boy was walking, and they passed by another group of person. They heard people, and they heard them whispering, isn't it you know, sad that that, uh, that that young boy is... Wait, did I get this right? I got it wrong in the first, <laughs> first service. Isn't it sad that the young boy is on the donkey, and the, that, that elderly man has to walk? Did I get it right that time? Good, okay. If I didn't, just reverse it. And then, uh, so they go down the, r- the road a little further, and so they both get up on the donkey, and they're walking by some other people, and, um, and they hear this group of people, and they're whispering, isn't it a shame that there's, you know, those two people are riding on that small donkey? Isn't that a shame for the donkey? So they went down the road a little further, and they got off, and they hoisted the donkey up on their shoulders. <laughs> And so they're, they're walking, you know, struggle along with this donkey, and they come to a bridge, and they lose their balance. The donkey falls over the bridge, splashes in the water, and drowns. And, of course, the moral is, if you try to please everyone else, you might as well kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> so... <laughs> So let me tell you a little bit about the workshop. We're going to have so much fun in this workshop. Um, We are going to, uh, we're going to do the process, which is the heart of the busting loose process. It's a spiritual practice that you'll be able to implement in your lives. Um, We're going to focus on gratitude, and we are going to really get into that space that goes beyond our logic of who we think we are and step into that reality of the power that I just described of who we really are. Um, when I did this workshop last week at uh, Reverend Tim's center, we got to a place where the energy got really confused for a little while because people were starting to get out of their mental concept, right? Our beliefs limit us. 
So confusion is good because it's the entrance way into a whole new understanding of who we are. So we're going to step into a place of greater freedom, joy, and love, and be, uh, you know, my wish is that every single one of you could come because I know that you will be walking on air because I've seen it happen for people as we leave together today. Um, but I realize not, you know, it's probably impossible that you could all come. So if you don't have plans, join us. You'll be glad you will. You did. And if you do have plans, change them. <laughs> if you absolutely can't change them, sign up for my mailing list in the back. And by the way, I have a, a box that you can check on the mailing list. And if you check that box, you will get a complimentary life coaching session with me. That will be my gift to you. So... Um, I will finish by uh, telling you about, I was at a funeral uh, a couple years back and I, there was uh, of a distant relative and there was this gentleman, this elderly man and his wife. And we all went to lunch afterwards and we're going into the restaurant and the man was kind of shuffling along like this. And, and, and clearly his body was in pain, right? Um, he could barely move. His wife, he didn't have a walker. He didn't seem to want one of those, but his wife was kind of helping him. And just, I mean, he could barely make it up this tiny little incline into the, into the restaurant. And as I'm describing these, you just might think that he would have had a face that was showing pain, but that wasn't the case. He had an ear-to-ear -ear smile the entire time as he was moving along. And we sat down to, to lunch, and and I was just magnetically drawn to just watching this guy the whole time because I knew he had some kind of secret. And um, I finally asked him, I said, you look like a happy guy. You know, what, what is your secret? And he lit up like the sun, even more than before. And he just said these words, life is so beautiful. Life is so, so beautiful. Now, I had the thought that maybe he was like heavily medicated. <laughs> but I don't think that was it. I think this guy had a secret. He said, I'm 95 years old, and I just want to make it to 96 so I can spend one more year with the woman I love. You know? So listen. Love yourself exactly the way you are. And do everything you do, whatever you do, for the joy of it. Thank you. Love you.